amplified. This is getting harder and harder. Yeah, it is. Right? Yeah. All right. So there's effort behind this. So uh, hopefully is. people are enjoying I think people are enjoying it. I'm, we're getting reached out by uh, different parties uh, interested in collaborating and oh, stuff like nice. that. So, cool. Um, so this next guest are one of them. They're um, the producers of Mid-Americana uh, uh, Midwest podcast. Uh, they're... One of them is a professor at uh, Central College. They, board, they both work at Central College. They got this idea to uh, get this podcast project. <laughs> um, but we'll let them explain it. But it's an extremely interesting um, approach to podcasting as far as uh, diving into the changing of the Midwest and how it has changed. For example, in since 95, since we've been here, we got... We, I mean, we moved, uh, we moved here because of the meatpacking plant. And when we were in school, it was just in Perry, just a few kids, right? And then now Perry is like almost 50% Latino. Yeah, also known That's as cool. Little Mexico. <laughs> Nobody I've, knows. Yeah, people call it that. Really? Yeah. Well, I Marshalltown like is also one of those. Tama, yeah. Denison. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so their first season was... You know, they spoke with people that left Iowa and came back to Iowa years later. And they um, were like, what the fuck? Well, you know, they gave their perspective on, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Iowa. They left, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever reason, school or whatever, and then they came back. And then the second season that they have is on immigrants. Um, but it's not just Iowa, actually. Like, one of them is in Minnesota. It's actually extremely well-put podcast. Nice. Much better job than what we do. Oh, okay. They put music. Okay. There's narrative. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm a fan, actually. I I, uh, I listen to a lot of their part episodes on first season and on the second season. Um, the second season is, is a little bit more impactful because it's immigrants, but it's not just... Latino immigrants. They pick from different. Right. Uh, I think there's a Filipino. There's an uh, um, an English. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody from London. They moved here. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that they, so they're very. Th uh, you don't see that a lot. Yeah. I don't see that a lot. And then the, uh, one from Minnesota that um, she's from a small island. But yeah, they're, it's very educational, very well put together, good production, good music. There's narrative on top of it. It reminds me to NPR like pieces. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Nice. So, uh, I want to thank Brian Campbell and Joshua Dolsoff for making time for us, uh, and obviously inviting people to go and check out Mid Americana podcast. It's literally just Mid Americana. Okay. And where can we find it? It's on their website. And what's the website? That's it, Mid-Americana oh, Podcast. Okay. Yeah, if you Google Wait, it. Let's go. We'll put some uh, uh, links, but uh, how you been? How, how Everything good? Good. Let's go. Let's go. All right, here we go. Episode Mid-Americana. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, so, uh, uh, Brian Campbell and, and Joshua Dolisol. Did I pronounce that right? That's fine. Okay. Um, so, you host Mid Americana. You produce a podcast series. You're on your second season. Um, 
my first question to you is how, how did this project came about? How did, how did, how did this start? Joshua. <laughs> We're all uh, like Iowans at a four-way stop sign. Now you go first. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Amner, for having us on your show. And uh, we've <clears throat> been fans of yours as well. So it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I think Brian has the most expertise in the area of oral history. That's something he can maybe speak to as part of his dissertation. But you know, we started talking about this as a class that we could team teach. Um, Oral History of the Family Farm, I think was the name of that course that we taught together. And we just sort of dangled it, uh, the podcast version as an option. So students could either do interviews and then write papers or they could sort of teach themselves um, Audacity software and, and do a podcast. Um, and some of them chose that option and they did a great job. And we got kind of inspired by that. And I had a sabbatical coming up and we thought, this would be a good sabbatical project to try to launch um, a podcast series. Maybe Brian can add something to that. Yeah, I mean, it, so both of us were teaching at Central College and, you know, we're both um, from other parts of the country originally. We're not native to Iowa. And so we were excited about having our students do these kind of interviews, get to know real Iowans, you know, not just learn about agriculture in textbooks or lectures, but go out and talk to real people, which is something that, like Josh said, I'd been doing in my own research and teaching is, you know, doing interviews, gathering people's stories. And yeah, I think after that experience of teaching together and um, we decided to think about doing a podcast with that sort of focus, looking at the culture of Iowa, the culture of the Midwest, how this region is changing, some of the things we see as people who've settled here. Um, so yeah, that, that's what inspired us is just kind of people who are learning to love Iowa and the Midwest and seeing all the, all the things about this region that are maybe more than the caricature that, that you sometimes hear about. And so, so that's, that's kind of what got us started. And that first season, we did a whole series of stories of people who were native Iowans who'd moved away and lived in other places, and kind of what their take was as people who'd moved back to the Midwest. And then we are just finishing up our second season, which is stories of immigrants, so people who you know, grew up in other countries, other places, and have migrated to the Midwest. And you know, we have some Iowa stories still, but we've also got stories from lots of other parts of the region. So Brian, what's the, um, what is, so when you start something, it, it evolves into something else. I mean, I, I, I did listen to a few of your first season podcasts. Um, you talked to Mike Draper, the, the uh, founder of Ray Gun and, and um, Don Oropesa, which I, that was beautiful podcast, how you, you know, her soul almost like came out of that. So um, uh that really touched me, uh, that, that, that podcast that you guys did with her. Um, how has did, how has this project evolved into, you know, now you're on season two immigration, uh, was, is it what you thought it was going to be? Yeah. I mean, in some ways it definitely has, I think, um, I think it's definitely evolved too. So, you know, we've learned a ton about the the kind of technical side of podcasting. I'm sure you're 
you know, familiar with that and other people you're working with on podcasts, you know, so we've, we've had to get better at sound quality and some of those things We're we're lucky to have some, um, some funding. We have a grant from, uh, humanities, Iowa, that's helped us to get some good recording equipment and get some support from a professional sound engineer. Um, so that's been really fun to learn. And we've been able to teach students and some other professors how to do more podcasting and do better sound quality. I mean, one thing that's definitely evolved, we had been really excited about doing all of these face-to-face and, you know, traveling to go visit people. And of course, COVID kind of changed that plan. So we've, in some ways, I think that's allowed us to, to have a different reach and to, you know, to more easily collect those stories and think about the connections across the Midwest. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of the stories, um, I think we had some ideas about the kind of people we want to talk to, but that I think has been the most exciting evolution is just being able to meet new people. You know, podcasting is such a great way to have a window into people's lives and people are really gracious about, about sharing their stories. And so I don't think we had any idea, you know, where this would go exactly and the kind of people we've met, but it's been really fun for me to meet new people, people who have ended up, you know, been important connections way beyond just that couple hours of, of chatting with them. But, you know, once you've heard their stories, they become friends, colleagues, you know, collaborators in all sorts of new ways. One thing I would add to that is, as Brian says, you know, the pandemic has changed our ability to sit face to face with someone. Uh, and that's opened a wider range, you know, we can more easily do an interview with somebody in Minneapolis or, you know, on shorter notice, you can kind of set up conversations farther away. But <clears throat> the other thing I didn't really anticipate, but in hindsight, I should have is that the change in theme makes it more difficult, I think, to find people willing to tell their story. So the, the first season featured native Iowans who left the Midwest and came back to stay. And a lot of them, as you said, were, entrepreneurs or activists or, you know, doing something that they were happy to promote on a podcast in the immigration series. It's a more private kind of story often with a lot of pain and trauma built into it. You know, if someone is a refugee and that's the reason they immigrated, then not everyone wants to tell that story publicly. And so I think that was a challenge I didn't really see coming as clearly as, as I should have that, that just asking the question, will you tell your life story, you know, for the whole world to listen to, um, it's not always so simple. How did you go about, um, specifically on this, uh, second season, um, which is immigration. That's the, um, how did you go about finding your, your, your subjects? Um, what was the criteria? I mean, they had to be immigrants and then what else? Well, we use a kind of formula for our interview plans and we think of it in terms of chapters because we do want this to be a story podcast, not just an interview podcast. Um, and the distinction is an interview podcast is more facts and information. Mm -hmm. A story podcast might involve an interview form, but then we use narration and we stitch together something that's more like a literary narrative, at least as we perceive it. So chapter one would be 
origins to you know birth to the point of departure so for a lot of people that might be childhood or it might be up to teenage years you know if they're living in a refugee camp till they're 16 mm-hmm. as uh, hem rizal was um, he was a refugee from bhutan who grew up in a refugee camp in nepal so that would be chapter one chapter two might be the immigration story whether it's the flight just all the new experiences in that journey. Maybe there were different stops along the way. A flight landed in a, in a city and then the family was relocated somewhere else. It might also include early days getting settled. So um, Kao Kalia Young, uh, a Hmong writer from Minnesota, based in Minnesota, you know, her immigration chapter was partly including the, the housing project where her family settled in, in St. Paul initially. Chapter four is making a home in the Midwest. So overcoming racism or xenophobia, just those early challenges of getting established in this new place, figuring out what it is. And then chapter four is what we think of as the changing Midwest. You know, how are, how are folks contributing now to what we call the changing Midwest? So that was, we wanted stories that fit kind of all four of those chapters. And some of that you know, it was referrals from friends. We we did some Googling, of course. Uh, so some folks are authors or Dominique Sarand is a theater producer based in Minneapolis. I found him by, by Googling um, immigration stories from Minneapolis. Yeah, and I just add, I mean, I think you mentioned our first season, you know, we wanted to talk about native Iowans, but we also wanted to complicate the the cliche of what that includes. So somebody like Don Martinez or Peza, whose family, you know, are Latino Iowans who've been here for generations, you know, way longer than I have um, as a white Iowan. So I think we wanted to complicate the kinds of stories that we included in that first season, but also with these stories of immigration. So, you know, we've included the more common kind of categories of people that people think of, you know, so like I talked with Jean-Paul Chazon Cardenas, who grew up in Guatemala, you know, there's obviously lots of Central American immigrants in Iowa that I've enjoyed being around, but, um, but also lots of smaller communities. So I'm just finishing up an episode with Irene Ernest, who's from the Marshall Islands, which is a, you know, tiny um, archipelago of islands, you know, she's technically not an immigrant because they're, you know, have this special relationship with the U.S. because of the history of nuclear testing there. So she's not an immigrant. She's not a refugee. She's not, you know, undocumented. So just kind of complicating those categories and including the stories of, you know, some of the larger, better known groups of immigrants in the Midwest. And, you know, we have the stories of, um, Somali refugee in in the Twin Cities. There's lots of Somalis in Minnesota, but we also have these smaller communities, like like the story of you know these Pacific Islanders in Dubuque, Iowa. So, yeah, I think we wanted to try to have a whole a whole mix of different voices, um, and or it's been fun, you know, kind of getting to know new people and and networking and finding those stories as we go. So. Uh- as interviewers or as podcasters we are kind of the we get the first kind of uh we're the first audience to this conversation right we we hear it first so we are uh touched in whatever way positive or negative or educated or not 
Wait, how how have you have you been surprised about anything that you've uh, done in these last two seasons um, that you didn't know about Iowa or the Midwest? Is there anything in particular that pops into your head that you're like, this took this I didn't know, or this caught me off guard, or I've learned this? Well, I can say I didn't know anything really about the the Hmong population in the Midwest, and so. I didn't know anything about Bhutan really either. So with with a lot of these stories, um, just having the conversation, you know, we do two hour interviews and then cut it down under an hour. Mm -hmm. So just sitting with someone for two hours and hearing their story, trying to do more listening than talking right. has, taught, has taught me a lot. Um, and I think for some folks, you know, the Midwest as a destination, as a place of opportunity, as a, completely positive kind of environment um, took me by surprise because I brought, and I think Brian did too, some prejudice against the region with me. You know, I'm from Montana, from the Mountain West, kind of West Coast Association. And so all I could see when I came to Iowa is there was no mountains, you know? <laughs> and so I, hearing from other people what they appreciated about Iowa as a new, a new home, a new home place, you know, was meaningful to me. The other thing I'll add is we were kind of motivated, as Brian said, by this flyover country insult, you know, that you get from East Coast, West Coast, that there's nothing, there's nothing in Iowa uh, or the Midwest that's worth, you know, worth anything or culturally significant. And Mike Draper plays with that sort of thing, you know, that every, everywhere in the Midwest is the gateway to the West, you know, it's the way to somewhere, somewhere else. Um, but that was really something all of our guests on season one had something invested in. They wanted to push back against that and <clears throat> took it personally. But our guests in season two don't have anything invested in the Midwest stereotype. They don't feel like they need to defend the region against this bland reputation or whatever. So that was an interesting perspective for me that for, for him, resolve the midwest is the pine ridge indian reservation where he taught with with teach for america um, the midwest is nepali uh, immigrants in des moines that's what it means to him and mm -hmm. so he doesn't feel like he needs to defend white midwesterners who were upset by how new yorkers perceive them you know i did yeah, and i'll, I'll just add i mean the the episode <laughs> i just did have been working on that's the last one of season two mm. so this is an interview like i said with uh irene Ernest. she lives in dubuque iowa she grew up in you know this part of the world that's one of the most polluted places on earth you know there's nuclear testing in the 1950s from the u.s and now these islands are the most vulnerable place on the planet in terms of sea level rise and climate change and so i was curious because we've had so much flooding in Iowa, you know, related to climate change, I was curious, like, what is it like to move from a country that's got these risks and now live in a place where there might be flooding here? So that's my sort of projection as somebody who works on environmental issues in Iowa. And this is definitely one where, you know, I kind of had a narrative in mind. And from her perspective, it's like, this is so much safer of a place to live than a, an island where you can have like tidal waves that, Right. You know, completely inundate everything. And so 
you know, it's, I think those are the kind of things that I appreciate, as you said about, you know, being that first audience and just getting um, somebody who's willing to correct me and check me on the kind of like ideas I have in my head, you know, world um, problems, right? first world problems, it's like, you know, flooding here, we have like all these resources yeah. and, you know, it's nothing like growing up in a, a tiny island country. <laughs> I, I did listen to the uh, Mike Draper uh, episode that you did. And um, the more I hear Mike talk, the more I gain respect for him. He's very intellectual. He's very articulate with his, you know, thoughts and, uh, and uh, he, that's the episode that I that I saw Iowa in a different way. Um, so, what do you expect for your audience to walk away with on on each episode? Because you you do there's production in it, there's music, you narrate, and you let the the uh, person kind of showcase themselves in their thought process. What do you want the audience to walk away with? Josh? Uh, well, I suppose I want every episode to include some element of surprise, you know. Um, for for Zoe Buras, she came to the United States at age 10 from the United Kingdom. Her mother met a man in a, an online book forum and then ended up, they, they got married and Zoe grew up in Illinois and thinks of herself now as a midwesterner um but i think for a lot of her childhood thought of herself as a brit you know she was european but then she studied in peru and everybody saw her as as a gringa and then as an american mm -hmm. and so that was kind of an interesting twist you know on her identity um or she went back to oxford university for her master's program around the time that donald trump was elected president and then everybody thought she knew why people voted for Trump and had some special insight. So she was again seen as an American, even though she was coming back to the place of her birth. Um, so I like those surprises. Some of them are really devastating surprises. Um, Kaukalia Young has a section from her latest book, Somewhere in the Unknown World, which is a collection of, of refugee stories or re refugee memoir where her kids ask her how she met her father, you know, and the short version is that he came to one of her readings and, you know, they had lunch together and that's kind of how they met. But the long version is that he was born in a, in a, I think a Milwaukee suburb and she was born in a refugee camp and that there was no way that anyone could fathom how their lives would intersect. Um, I didn't know anything about, how the Hmong were involved in the Vietnam War, or that for Hmong people, the Vietnam War is still not really over. So some of those surprises are, are kind of funny, and some of them are just gut-punching and brutal. Um, mm -hmm. And I suppose I want, I want listeners to be open to being surprised and, and maybe changing the way they see not just the region, but maybe American history too. Ryan, you want to add? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Both of us have a background as teachers, you know, and 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 so I th I do think we want people to learn something. I think um, there's so much about the Midwest that I've enjoyed learning in this process. Um, 
you know, so one of our early episodes of immigrant stories was Pavel Polanco Safarit, who um, grew up in the Dominican Republic. He's a musician, he's a jazz artist. And, you know, so we, we were able to tell the story of his, um, you know, his evolution as a musician recording in Richmond, Indiana, this small rural community that happened to be um, this place that was a huge hub for jazz recording and all this kind of American roots music recording, you know, super diverse um, interracial recording sessions. Also, they recorded like early KKK productions all for this, um, you know, record company that happened to be in this tiny little town in Iowa. And so, I mean, in, in Indiana, um, so those are the kind of, you know, there's just some of those little stories of the history of the Midwest that I think catch people off guard and make us think differently about, you know, there's, there's places, there's people and stories that have always kind of challenged the stereotype of the Midwest as this, you know, kind of monoculture of white, um, you know, bland sort of flat landscapes and flat culture. Um, so I think we enjoy that as teachers, but, but like Josh said, I think the fun of doing that in a podcast is being able to have that person's voice come out and that person's story. And so I think that's a lot of what we hope is that listeners get just a little taste of what we're able to to enjoy in the conversation, you know, that you can hear that person's accent and feel the energy of a jazz artist or, you know, a writer or an activist and feel like you've got a window into a different, a different community. Um, Cause I know for us, you know, these conversations have led us to new people. I mean, even you, um, you know, somebody who we've connected with through the podcast. And I mean, that would be my ultimate hope in part is that it, it helps Midwesterners see the possibility of making new connections, whether it's, you know, the actual person we've interviewed, or they're just, it gets them to think differently about people they might get to know in their own communities. I might add just one thing real quick. So as Brian's talking, I'm thinking of three things that, that we hope. One part of our audience would include my in-laws, my wife's family, which is mainly from the East coast. Mm -hmm. And I want them to learn to respect the Midwest. <laughs> that's that's one thing I would like to come from this series. But I also hope someone born and raised in Iowa or Minnesota um, might also see their own home place differently, especially with season two. Maybe these are voices that they've seen a, uh, among family at the farmer's market, but have never gotten to know them or they know nothing about their history. So even if you've lived nowhere but Iowa, you could learn something, I think, from our from our series. Um, and the third one, I think, is um, representation, just like in literature or in government or whatever social organization or structure you, you think of, for people to be able to see themselves in our series, I think, would be a goal that, that we're not just privileging one, one voice, but that we're, we're representing the complex spectrum that the Midwest actually is. And from listening to a few episodes on uh, on your season one, and um, I was catching up on the season two that you guys have, uh, uh, you know, I can say that, you know, you guys are doing a great job and uh, 
I always tell Kenji, my co-producer and I, we're just amateurs, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to uh, have some fun and, 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 and maybe put a little bit of a, a, a conversation out there that, that could spark more, th more thinking. Um, but I was, as I was kind of thinking about the conversation with you guys, you know, there is this East Coast, West Coast, you know, kind of, uh, you know, thing that uh, a lot of things are happening out there. And a lot of things are happening out there, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot going on in in in, in the Midwest that um, I think, in my opinion, I think there's there's a big transition period that's happening, just with immigration. Uh, for example, like I I landed in '95 here in Iowa, um, in Perry, Iowa, a meatpacking plant. Um, that's why we came here. My parents were making 4.25 an hour. In California, uh, and you know they hear, hey, there's a a fifty an hour job, and you know that's double, two hundred percent your salary, right? As a parent, you're like, of course, I'm gonna move, you know. Um, but since then, you know things have changed. There was nine Latino students uh, in the high school that I went to in Perry, Iowa, and now. Um, I would dare to say that there are almost 50% Latino students in, in the high school. This is 95 to now, 25 some years. So um, where do you guys personally see Iowa changing? From your, from your perspective, how do you see it changing? Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. When you think of the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest divide, yeah. In in Latino culture in particular, mm. um, music or art or, you know, podcasts kind of thing that you do. Uh, do you feel like those voices on the coast get amplified that that you kind of or do you feel like there is a kind of strong and, and sort of growing um, Latino voice here in the Midwest that that you're part of that that kind of is comparable to what happens so in that community on the coast? I have family. I have family in California still, and uh, you know, there's there's a thing about that. You know, they ask us. There was a pivot at one point. I was asking them, you know, what does it take to live out there? What's the rent and all that stuff? And then about seven, eight years ago, that conversation started to, to, to change. Now they're interested in what does it take to live here? How much? What's the salary and all this stuff? So. Uh, so there's a little bit of pivot on 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 the coolness of living in the Midwest. A lot of my a lot of people are interested in what's happening here, um, and uh, it, to me, um, and I hope I'm answering the question. But the East Coast and West Coast, there's already something going on. Supposedly, there's a lot of going on. So here, um, I feel like I can be a, a make a bigger impact uh, because it's a smaller uh, smaller city. Um, uh, and I, I, I think I'm, I think that's how I would answer that question is, um, what's happening. If you go to, to the East coast or the West coast, it's more than likely already happening, or it's just too big of a place for you to make any sort of impact. Then here, uh, in Iowa, I feel like there, there is because of the immigrant we're we're behind the the uh, you know the immigration wave is is starting to happen here more now um, so I think that there is this this uh, uh, movement of of voices of immigrant people of color uh, uh, Latinos you know 
uh, African-Americans, um, that is starting to get a little bit more momentum. And, and that's why it's exciting to be doing this, this, uh, these podcasts uh, because um, you know, I, there's some, some kind of way that's happening. I don't know really how to kind of articulate it, but, um, but it feels good. It, it feels exciting. My family and I, we love it here. Uh, we, uh, we wanna make Des Moines you know, be a cool place to live, uh, hip and young and, you know, uh, and but also still have uh, still talk about serious issues and still talk about uh, things that can get can improve. So um, I hope that was. <laughs> I think I maybe <laughs> over answer that, but no, that's um, good. Thanks. But no, I appreciate that question because you know it, there there is a there is a sense of like something's happening. It's it's like in the air, in the ether. You can't touch it, but. Uh, hopefully we're we're contributing and you guys with your podcast um, uh, you know I, I think that that these are the things that need to that people need to hear like people in Perry need to hear it uh, um, you know it Trump land needs to hear this this and I know that I don't want to sound you know divisive or anything like that but but there are some people that live in a bubble right and if they don't listen to these stories, I think they're the ones that need to listen to the, the most. Um, um, uh, and uh, uh, I hope that maybe we can help and, and uh, get those out there. Uh, and, and thank you guys for, for doing that. Um, but what's what's your, um, you threw me off guard there, Josh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, let me just jump in there. I mean, I would say, you know, we, we had been um, talking about stories and what we see in the Midwest. And I think the 2016 election was definitely something that um, a lot of people were talking about what happened in the Midwest, you know, and all these states that are they blue? Are they purple? Are they are they red? You know, and there was all this kind of national attention, like, oh, let's try to understand the Midwest. And I think that was definitely part of our motivation is like, how can we tell those stories from the ground up, you know, and, 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 and try to capture what we're seeing, just all the diverse um, voices. And, and so, yeah, I think that was part of our motivation is um, like Josh said, for an East coast and West coast audience that has this like outsider sort of fascination with the Midwest, but also like you said, people in rural communities, people in places like Pella where we've you know, been teaching and, um, just to see what's right under our noses. Cause you know, from my experience, like I lived in California, I lived, I moved here, um, six years ago from Atlanta, you know, from big city with like tons of diversity, mm -hmm. but in some ways, like you're saying, because there's so many people there, there's so many organizations and movements and ideas. Um, it's not always as accessible or, or frankly, like as, kind of mixed and integrated and um, in the way that it is here, you know, so one of my moments that I always go back to is like, I play soccer, I play in a bunch of different adult leagues and pickup games, you know, with these really diverse people, people from Perry and people, you know, who work in really different lines of work than I do. And um, the leagues in Atlanta weren't like that, where all different kinds of people would just play together, because there's not that many people you got to have you know, you, because of the size of Iowa, I think 
there is a ton of opportunity for mixing of people who would otherwise never be in the same bubbles. And so well, I think that's follow, part of what we're trying to capture. Yeah. Yeah. Let me follow that up. I was just thinking when we're talking bubbles, you can have a liberal bubble too, right? So it's not right. just Trump, Trump land that needs to hear these stories. Um, the most recent episode for season two features, you know, a theater director, Dominique Sarand, who's won a lot of awards, won an Emmy uh, for best regional production. I think that was, um, I'm forgetting the year 2018, maybe pretty, pretty recently. Um, and, you know, one of his, one of his recent productions, Refugio, was, was meant to tell the kind of story we're trying to tell, I think, in season two of, of refugees worldwide. It was inspired by the Syrian uh, crisis and, <clears throat> you know, the whole migration across Europe of a lot of Syrian refugees. Um, and, you know, there's this kind of really delicate balance to walk, you know, you don't want to exoticize a foreign story, right? You don't want to take someone's pain and make it into entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, giving voice to experience and shining a light on, on things is important. And <clears throat> he and his team were just really attacked for how they did that in Refugia. They were attacked for uh, the lack of diversity in their cast, even though they're working with a really limited budget for that production. I don't know, I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but he felt like um, there was another kind of bubble that just went after him mm -hmm. and, and didn't see really what he was trying to do with, with his production. And we get just in these little boxes all the time. Yeah. Bubbles are boxes and we just don't listen across them yeah. or outside of them. And I think that could happen on either, either side of that political spectrum with with our series you're right you're right i have i have i'm guilty of that i, I have felt uh you know we're immigrants right when trump won you know i mean there was this six month of depression you know we were upset i mean planning on moving you know looking at land in guatemala uh looking at prices i talked to my dad i my sister lives in guatemala we we started conversations um, two years, you know, into the Trump presidency, that kind of, you know, uh, you know, we, those plans kind of started to fade away. So I, I look back and I'm like, shoot, I wanted to leave. So there was this really strong uh, pain uh, betrayed by our, my old high school mates, you know, uh, uh, I felt betrayed, right? I'm sure they didn't feel like they were betraying me. I just felt that way. Um, so there's this there's this uh, uh, anger that was built inside. Um, and I'm sure that that had a lot to do with what I'm doing now. And, and it's, I'm inevitably an immigrant, a brown person, a person of color with uh, immigrant family. And uh, I know I can name you a hundred undocumented people that I know like, right, like this, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's part of my, you know, my breathing, it's part of why I do things, a lot of the things that I do. So yeah, there, the, you know, I, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're saying all this stuff and we're thinking that we're pushing for something that's right. And, 
and then you you kind of think about that like okay am i also on that other side right am i create am i part of that problem right am i creating bridges or am i just stuck in my 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 way so um uh i think now there's another pivot pivotal point where where i think there's a little bit more of breathing room to have more conversations and um uh but but yeah i i I concur with you, Joshua. <laughs> I agree with you. There is, there is, a, a, there is this sense like we can't forget that, that there's other sort of mentalities and, and ways of thinking, and why not listen instead of just saying unless you think this way, then, then nothing else. So um, we we talked about you know when we were conceiving of this season, you know we we considered do we include stories of you know, people who are sometimes, you know, categorized as oh, this kind of anti-immigrant backlash, you know, people who are pushing back against change in their communities. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, we decided we really wanted to stick with the stories and the voices of immigrants, but I think we've tried to capture as much as we can, you know, there is a lot of complexity to that. So um, Jean-Paul, Chasing hard in us, who I talked about before, you know, he um, he put himself through college by working in you know meatpacking plants in the Midwest, and you know has continued to work um, with people who are in the agricultural sector, but you know mm -hmm. as farm workers and packing plant workers, but also building bridges with you know the largely white rural communities that right. are. They're radically transformed by um, how how that has boomed in places like Perry, and you know. So he talked a lot about um, he worked for the the governor of Iowa um, Office of Latino Affairs and trying to build bridges and in these kind of places. And you know, he talked about his own journey of listening and hearing the stories of rural white Iowans and and finding you know things like the farm crisis in the 1980s as a point of of commonality where you know the people in central america where he comes from who were having to leave their their farms and look for you know a job in the midwest in you know immigrating to the united states like some of those same forces of big you know bigger and bigger farms pushing more and more people um off of their their land i mean there's ways that I think he, you know, he talked about finding that kind of common story um, mm -hmm. in these in these rural communities in the U.S. that are, you know, facing some of the same kind of challenges that are happening for places around the world within this global economy. And so, you know, I think we want to try to be respectful, like you're saying, of mm -hmm. what that looks like from the perspective of the the new immigrant, but also, you know, these small towns that are. Um, that are dealing with rapid changes. And right. it's understandable that that's hard for people, both economically, but also culturally. And, and so, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's helpful. Like you're talking about your high school mates, you know, how do you have these conversations still and, and not just sort of give up on small town Iowans mm -hmm. and who are maybe trying to change, but it's not in the same way that, that you or me would imagine. Right. Have you guys thought about your season three? Is there is there talks about that, um, or it, what? Um, where are you guys at with that? I think season three um, <clears throat> might be a year out. If 
I think because Brian took a new job recently, um, we've got some transitions and we're nearing the end of our grant period. So I think we're still in search of funding and also just kind of rethinking some of that. Um, so I think the project probably will be on hold for next year, um, but season three could be coming in maybe 2022. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think when we started all this, we had this long list of ways that the Midwest is evolving. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so immigration was high on that list, but we imagine all sorts of other themes that we could explore. You know, like Josh said, our first class we taught about this was about family farms and how those have changed over time. Um, you know, I do a lot of work now around things like clean energy and, you know, you can see how much Iowa and the Midwest has changed with, you know, things like wind and solar and, you know, climate change. I mean, I think we could imagine a ton of different themes that we might explore in the future, but to be determined, we'll see. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing we might just put a plug in for, you know, if you, if you listen to our show on Apple podcasts, Mid-Americana, stories from a changing Midwest, or if you listen on our website, um, www.midamericana.com. All of those those numbers, I think, will help our case as we as we make some proposals for future funding. Uh, I think one thing I've learned from <clears throat> from launching this, you know, we've we've made some mistakes, and I think we could have perhaps done a little bit more work on the marketing end um, before launching to really make sure that our audience was was a little bigger. Um, but this is podcasts are really a competitive form, as you know, I mean, yeah. through over 300 new podcast series are launched every day on Apple podcasts, <laughs> you know, only. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, I mean, if you get if you get 200 um, listeners per episode over a 30 day period, you're in the top 50%. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just not something that you can monetize or, you know, develop into a kind of self perpetuating model mm -hmm. um you do still need that the outside support so i think some of those those aren't really sexy details but it's part of how a, an art project like this continues you right know, it has to be able to support itself right yeah so um the website is midamericana dot dot, dot com dot com well, I want to thank you again, Brian Campbell and Joshua Dolsal for joining me. Um, I, I will continue to listen to your production because sound wise and production wise and, you know, the narration, that's like, I love that part. It reminds me a lot of uh, uh, to NPR stuff that, that they put out. So, um, so it's really great work. So um, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be looking for season three um, but thank you again, guys. Um, appreciate it. And hopefully we'll be uh, talking to you soon, maybe having a beer one day. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd like, so, to, I'd like to meet you in person. I think you and Brian have, have chatted in person before, right? Yeah. Yes, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, once we get out of our little town and actually out into the world again, that'd be fun. Uh, this probably won't make it onto your show, but <clears throat> I would like to put in a little plug for for feedback from our listeners. We don't yeah. get a lot of email, but if you go to the website, there is a form you can fill out to just send us a note. 
Um, I think hearing from immigrants in particular would be really meaningful. We've had a little anecdotal uh, input like yours that mm -hmm. suggests that we're kind of on the right track, but you know, I'd love to hear from, from more listeners about how the series spoke to them. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll be able to edit it out and put put the, the, the feedback requests. Uh, and then also, um, Kenji and I kind of do a little outro. So uh, we'll add the links and all that stuff. So awesome. um, thank you guys for having uh, uh, this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. And um, I'll let you guys know when uh, when it's all uh, put together. Sounds awesome. great. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks, Samner. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for time. All right. Take care. There you have it. Mira Americana. Very interesting podcast. I invite everybody to um, go check it out. Also, we have to thank Good Vibes. Such a beautiful place. Um, they let us use it. I mean, these guys are super welcoming every single time that we're here. So, um, and you like my sweater? Yeah, I do. I, that's yeah. a really cool sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I asked. Yes. And you didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, no. So, well, because I wanted to tell you. Oh, okay. About camera. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your eyes are okay. like. No, but um, this sweater is from the Human Podcast. One of the podcasters that joined us a couple months ago. His name is Julian. He, mm -hmm. He's the host of the Human Podcast, and he, he got these sweaters, you know, like merchandise. But I fucking love it. Where's mine? You should get one. There's a link where's, on his podcast. <laughs> There's you, a you link. Get me one. Uh, yeah, you it's, got yourself a sweater. Yeah, didn't, didn't yeah. get me one. Yeah, but it's dope, okay. huh? I love it. So his podcast is all about um, breathing, drinking water, and move the body. That's pretty so. much like uh, like losing weight. So yes. It's all the steps of losing weight. Yeah. No, should, but his approach is not like eat less. <laughs> eat less. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no, it's a very uh, a cool podcast that it's one of the amplifiers, but I love the color. I love the, the, yeah, the, the whole I was, thing I was about it. Say, yeah, the color is really. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what is it? It's like like a aqua. Turquoise. Um, it's a turquoise. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. All right. It's thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Thank you again to Brian and Mid-Americana and Good Vibes. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>